we often think of worship services as being something we go to that is a uh, heavily influenced and our minds are heavily influenced by the old uh, Finneyism tradition, revival traditions in the south. We think going to church is on Sunday is a never-ending perennial Billy Graham crusade. Somebody trying to get us pumped up, hopped up, but who is worship really for? Is it for you? Who's it for? Something you give to God. So, here, this is a service you'll notice, I hope we notice, that there's a sequence, is not the right word, a uh, flow of God revealing himself, and then we respond to God. We cannot worship God if he doesn't do what? reveal himself to us he's above us greater than we are thoughts are higher than our thoughts ways are higher than our ways so he has to reveal himself to us so try to think about that and as we go through these things think of yourself responding from one admonition or section of the service that calls you or expose God exposes himself reveals himself and then we respond in some way so everybody here be thou my vision front page number seven we often uh, think that we, I'll, I'm going to start teaching a little bit now. For <laughs> there is a thinking today among uh, music people, particularly contemporary music people. They've gotten off into the uh, contemporary worship scene, you might call it. And they feel like that there is a degree of sacramentalism in the songs that we sing. What, what do you think that might mean? Sacramentalism in the song. Uh, I was reviewing not too long ago the Pentecostal traditions of being slain in the spirit. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of goes along with that. Looking for a response somehow. But they, particularly in music, they see music itself as a sacrament. We think about Catholicism, what do we what's the main sacrament that comes to mind? Communion. Communion, the mass. And if you watch and that or present uh, physically at a Catholic mass, you'll see the priest elevate the host, the elements. And what is he doing? Calling Jesus down. Calling Jesus down, you might say. So the Pentecostal Contemporary, where in the contemporary music situation comes from that tradition, and they act, some of them actually believe that the music in itself is a sacrament and you can bring Christ down. And they call it a music, at the beginning, there's lots and lots of continual music, and they call that rather than a response to a song, it's continual music, not song response, just continual music. They call that a three-letter word. S. Mm, I don't know what to say. If you know, if you're a magician, magician, musician, and you have a band, and they do a section of music, a set. They put a lot into figuring out their set of music, so they can make Jesus show up or the Holy Spirit show up. So, with that in mind, call to worship. We want to hear God call us to worship through his word. 
So here is a word. Well, I'll give you a little outline here. Calling to worship. God reveals himself in his word. And then the next section is adoration. Praising God for what we hear in his word. Hear God call us to worship through his word. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What's being revealed there about God? He's holy, completely separate, you might say. In response or in adoration, we can pray this praise to God. You can read along with me, and we have amen at the end. But you read along, listen, see if you see yourself, try to see yourself responding to the holiness of God. Who is likened to you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? May we approach you with humility, which is due to your greatness and the hope that becomes your goodness. And though you're high, yet you have respect for the lowly. And though continually adored by thrones and dominions and principalities and powers, yet you despise not the prayer of the destitute. But will hear their prayer. Ever felt destitute before God? Our fathers cried unto you and were delivered. They trusted you and were not confounded. And you never said to the seed of Jacob. Are you the seed of Jacob? The seed of Abraham. We are spiritual seed. And you never said, God never said to the seed of Jacob. Seek me in vain. Amen. Amen. A reading of the law ought to cause a response from us. The reading of the law, here this is God's will for our lives. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might through him, might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, what should we do? Love one another. So here we have a confession of sin. Let's truly attempt truly in our hearts to confess before God. I, poor, sinful person, confess myself before you, my Lord, God, and Maker, that sadly I have sinned much with my senses. Thoughts, words, 
and deeds as you, eternal God, know very well. Together. When we confess our sins, we ought to be hoping for assurance of pardon from our sins. These are the words of God of comfort. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Here's what we believe. We're going to confess our faith. I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We could say that we also believe in the family of God, or the kingdom of Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, we've confessed our faith. Just pure praise to God. We're going to sing the Gloria Patre. Will the right. tune? Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the instruction from one of the oldest and probably through history the most popular catechism the Heidelberg Catechism first two questions what is your only comfort in life and death that I am not my own but I belong body and soul in life and in death he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life 
and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. How many things do you need to know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three. First, how great my sins in this are. Second, how I am delivered from all my sins in misery. Third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. We always need to pray before we read a passage of scripture, which is coming up in just a moment. We always need to pray that God would illuminate our minds and our hearts to receive what's going to be read. So here's a prayer of illumination. Almighty, gracious Father, since the whole sal our whole salvation depends on our true understanding of your holy word, grant that our hearts, free from worldly affairs, may hear and understand your holy word with all diligence and faith. So in just a moment we start to read, we need to be reading to ourselves and listening with diligence so that we might rightly discern your gracious will. Not only do we need to know his will, what else do we need to do? Cherish it, love it, and then live by it with all earnestness. To your praise and honor through our Lord Jesus Christ. From Exodus, and I believe chapter 35, I want you to notice for a while the main uh, a phrase that reoccurs throughout this passage at the end of most uh, several of these verses. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as what? He took the tablets of the covenant of the law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside of the curtain and set the bread on it before the Lord. Hmm. He placed the lampstand in the tent of the meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord then he put the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle he set the altar burnt offerings near the entrance to the tabernacle the tent of meeting and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord he placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put the water in it for washing and Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet they washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtains at the entrance to the courtyard and so Moses finished the work that was the work the setting up what was the main attribute or main thing you might remember 
about how Moses went about setting it up. As the Lord commanded him to do. Now, so what happened when they did what God told them to do? Verse 34, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What happened when he did what he's supposed to do? God reveals himself. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But the cloud did not lift, they didn't set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. That's chapter 9. What happens in chapter 10? Somebody does something that God hadn't commanded. Nadab and Abihu, they offer some worship. Strange fire. Literally unauthorized fire. And rather than God consuming their worship and consuming their offerings, God consumed them. Or give us pause anytime we think about including something in a worship service, particularly with all gathered people of God on Sunday morning, and we think we want to do something innovative. Something from our something we think would be popular, something would be fun. We don't find it being commanded anywhere in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles. So here we have a prayer of intercession. I'll re you read along with me, but in a prayerful state of mind. I bind myself today to the power of God to guide me. To the might of God to uphold me, to the wisdom of God to teach me, the eye of God to watch over me, the ear of God to hear me, the word of God to speak to me, the way of God to lie before me, the host of God to defend me. That's a good period. And we could say, Amen. Further petition, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm just going to mention some things you might call this guided prayer. Beyond God guiding us and upholding us and teaching us, from a personal standpoint, something that you've had on your mind as a burden, perhaps, for yourself or someone else that's really close to you, lift that burden before God. In your heart. Something or someone in your church. Maybe someone sick, someone that is dealing with loss of a loved one. Mention your 
pastor by name. Ask the Lord's blessing on those who lead in the singing. Those that are on the instruments or will be Sunday morning. Pray for another church close to you. Why not also pray for your home church, wherever you first came into the family of God? Lord, bless them this coming Lord's Day. Let's pray for some churches, missionaries we know around the world. I would think of some of our graduates we need to could think about praying for Milan Bullock in Prague Christian Martinez in Romania George Luther Jeremiah Shetty in India Mint and Rama in Burma Joe and Brandon in Thailand Tommy Rose in Mexico In closing, we'll pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever to which we say, Amen. Something I learned, I think I learned it, just an extra reading one day. Something about the line here, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Who can forgive their debtors? People, humans by nature, are always forgiving and thoughtful towards others. Isn't that right? As human beings, when somebody sins or offends against us, we, are, we tend to do what? One at a time. Somebody over here? 
grudge. Hold a grudge. Retaliate. Retaliate. <laughs> Don't let them forget it because we're not going to let them. You know, we're not going to forget. It. So what is a what would be an indication that you could know an assurance that Christ has changed your life? When it's a lot easier, we 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 mourn over not forgiving, and we want to forgive. That's a distinct indication that God has saved you. It's assurance of your salvation because you wouldn't be doing it otherwise.